All right. Hey, good evening, everybody. Can you hear me okay? I'm going to try to repeat uh, anything that's said here in the room for those that are online um, so we can uh, make sure you hear what's going on, obviously, in the room. Gary and I tried some different approaches tonight before uh, we started, and they didn't work. So we will continue to try to help uh, everybody online hear what's going on at home. So my name is John, if you haven't met me yet, um, and I'm also going to show you some different things on the screen uh, as we talk through tonight just about experiencing God. Uh, those of you in the room, you'll be able to see it um, right here on the TV in the room. So we're beginning tonight a brand new study, and I want to give you an introduction to it. Uh, a couple of you might have heard this on Sunday. I'll try to make it a little different uh, for that. But as we start, I want to uh, thank our discipleship team uh, here at church. Um, this is in just alphabetical order. It's not in order of importance, but um, um, Alyssa, Gary, Jeremy, and Sarah uh, helping uh, all of us working together to uh, just help us have a great opportunity to experience God. This slide here, a wise doctor once wrote, a lot of times when we think about what does it mean to experience God, what does it mean to hear God, what does it mean to know what God's will is for our life? What does it mean to understand God's will for our life? Sometimes it's like a doctor's prescription that he's written. We look at it and we can tell that a pen or something did it, but we just can't understand what it says. And what we hope during this study is that we will have an opportunity to not only just understand, but just be able to um, be able to discern what God is telling us. I want you to know this, this experiencing God is not, it's not just a course and it's not a method or seven easy steps to know God's will. It's not like we can, um, my wife and I, have been, we tried this experiment. Um, it's one of those uh, companies that'll send you a box and you make a meal out of it. Uh, Hello Fresh is what it's called. And, and I made Brussels sprouts for the first time last night. And because I made them, I felt like I had to try them and I still didn't like them. Uh, everybody always tells us we're not making them right. But if I follow all the steps correctly, then the meal that we make, uh, it's actually very good. We can put spices in the meal that we've never thought of doing before. Uh, when we come to know experiencing God, we want you to know that it's not just if you do these seven steps in order, if I just do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, then I'm going to know what it means to follow God. I'm going to know what it means just to experience him and know what it means just to, to know what he wants me to do and how he wants me to live my life. But it is designed to help us have a relationship with God where we can clearly hear when God is speaking. Uh, we can recognize where he is working. And we can experience him working through us to accomplish his purposes. That's just a beautiful thing that we realize that God does work in what we do. He works through us to accomplish what he wants to do. And I think that's just a beautiful thing to know as we live our life, that we can know that God is actively working all around us in everything that we do. So in experiencing God, we mentioned this last week, but we also mentioned that you're going to hear some of these things over and over again. They mentioned that there are seven realities of experiencing God. Now, those of you here in the room uh, that have a book or if you have a book at home or if you need a book, you can just let us know. But on the very back cover of your book, the inside cover, are the realities of experiencing God. And that first one tells us that God is always at work around us. God's always at work around us. In everything that we're doing, God is at work. And God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that's real and it's personal. 
And I think that's what's beautiful about this. His, his relationship with us, what he wants to have with us, and the relationship he's desiring with us is, is real. And it's personal. We don't have to go through someone to have a personal relationship with God, the creator of the universe, the one that designed everything. The one that the Old Testament says that he holds our very breath in his hand. That he wants a real and personal relationship with us. And that, that's just something that's beautiful. He desires that and he pursues that in our life. And he invites us to become involved with him in his work. He invites us to become involved in what he's doing. Now, how beautiful is that? That we don't have to just sit on the sidelines. That we can be involved with him and his work. Now, I'm not making fun of any football teams, but a lot of people said on Tuesday, we won. We won. Okay. All right. Gary said that. Gary wasn't on the field playing football, right? He didn't win, but he's a Georgia fan, right? And as a Georgia fan, the Georgia fans won the national championship. But just think about this. We have an opportunity to personally be involved in how God is working. That we have an opportunity that he wants us to join in that work and wants us to become involved with him in that work. I think that's just beautiful. As we grow in our relationship, as we realize he's pursuing a relationship with us, he wants us to join him. And he wants us to be able to work. He wants us, he wants to work through us in everything that we do. I think it's just great. And God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. That God speaks through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, as we study this, and as we look at this study, and as we, we continue to understand what it means to experience God, a lot of times we think about the Holy Spirit, and, and we think that that's just a it's just a, a strange part of the Trinity that we just don't want to mess with. I grew up calling it the Holy Ghost. Did any of you grow up calling it the Holy Ghost, right? That seems even kind of more strange to call it the Holy Ghost, doesn't it, sometimes? But we recognize that God the Father is God who is over us. God the Son is God in Jesus that came to earth to walk with us, to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death so we could, we could have an opportunity to live with him forever. And God the Holy Spirit has been given to us that God, it's God that is working in us, that lives in us, that works through us. In the Old Testament, they knew exactly where God lived, right? Where's the address of God? Okay, well, he's in this big tent, right? <laughs> Before there was a temple and we can only go in this room. Well, actually, one person can only go in this room, the Holy of Holies one day a year, but, but that's where the Ark of the Covenant is and that's where God lives. But, but how wonderful it is because of Jesus's death and his life. and He's given us, he's given us the Holy Spirit that we are now the address of God. John, turn your video on. Okay. So that your camera will pick you up and the people online can see you. Uh -huh. How beautiful is it to know that we are the address of God and that God wants to work through us to reveal. Uh, he wants to speak to us through the Bible, through the church, through so many things so that he can reveal his, himself, his purposes and his ways in our life. And we also know this. That God's invitation for us to work with him always leads to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. A crisis of belief. 
a time in our life when we, we, we know that God is speaking to us about something, but then we hit that crisis. Okay, God, are you really saying this to me? This weekend, I don't say this for applause, but this weekend ends up being my first anniversary here at Dunwoody Baptist Church, okay? So over a year ago, Paige and I were preparing, right? And it, it, it would have made more sense in a worldly way to stay in Illinois. We're paying down a mortgage on a house. All of our friends live there. Um, I mean, some and still even to this day, some of the greatest friends we have in our life, they live in Illinois. <laughs> Uh, it's our boy's home. In a worldly way, it made perfect sense to stay there. But this crisis of belief that requires faith and action, we knew what God was speaking to us about. And we knew that because God was speaking this to us, that we needed to make a choice and a stand to go and follow him. Now, Paige's parents, my wife's parents, aren't believers. And it really makes zero sense to them for us to move to Atlanta. It makes zero sense. But we realize that when we follow God and pursue a relationship with him, and he starts to speak to us and work with us, that there's going to be times when we're like, okay, God, did you really say that? And we recognize that he did tell us that, and that it requires faith and action to step out and to follow him. Um, We'll look at one of those stories with Abraham in just a few minutes. And then we must make major adjustments in our life to join God in what he is doing. Now, a major adjustment for me might not be a major adjustment for you. Or a major adjustment for you, it might not look like a major adjustment for me. You you might say, well, the adjustment I need to make looks like this. And I might think, well, I could do that easy. But for you in your life, it might be very difficult. So we make these adjustments in our life to follow God and to join him in what he is doing. And then that last reality is we come to know God by experience as we obey him and he accomplishes his work through us. Again, multiple times in this reality, we, in these realities, we realize that God is working through us. I like to add and sometimes in spite of us. In spite of us. That's good. Yeah. It gets me off the performance stage. So I was in college as a music major, right? I was a music education major in school. Uh, I thought I was going to have the biggest, baddest marching band in the state of Kentucky, right? I was in the University of Louisville. That was my goal. When you performed in college, you you play, I'm a trumpet player, so I played the trumpet. You finished playing and everybody would clap for you. And that was the goal to have people applaud, right? And then we'd walk off the stage. But then the second goal was to have them to keep applauding so you could come back out a second time and take a bow. And if you did really good when you went off, they were still clapping. You could come back out and take another bow, right? But that was all about me. That was that performance mindset of I want to do this so I get the credit, so I get the applause, so I get the glory. But we recognize as we follow God and as we experience God and as God works in our life, he's working through us. And we get out of the way, or as Alice says, in spite of us, we have to get out of the way and see how he's working. And that's going to be a joy over the next 12 weeks to see how God works in these areas in our life. Um, some of you can see the picture, just God, God's work. And then it, he builds, it has a relationship with us. It leads to an invitation. He speaks to us. That's on the back cover. Of yeah. Yeah. 
inside back at Riart. As we started a little over a week ago, I put on my Facebook page a question um, that I wanted people to respond. How do you experience God? And we had some great answers. I was surprised. Uh, we had 45, I think, answers, Paige and I did. Only 20 of those had music listed in them. And I thought a lot more would have music because I think people do experience God with music. I think they hear songs. Um, the choir was singing uh, the old song, Majesty, you know, a little bit ago. And, and the author of that song, Jack Hayford, just recently passed away. Today? Um, so very recent. I, I knew it was just recently. Yeah. So he, uh, we experience God through music. But, but one of Paige and I's friends, she, she is uh, at her work right now. Her friend is at her work. She said that uh, God uh, God speaks to her because when she's down, he sends an angel down from heaven to talk to her and make her feel better. Now, um, at Christmas this past uh, just a couple of weeks ago, for the first time uh, in my family's existence, my oldest boy is 24. It was the first Christmas service that my family has ever sat together, the entire service beginning to end. We went to North Point. Uh, one of our church members, Matt Zuda, I made fun of him Sunday because he called me a traitor for going to uh, North Point to, to the to service. But it was the first time that we sat together in a service. Working at a church, we were all, I was always busy. I was always involved in something, doing something. And during that service, uh, Andy Stanley said uh, he has a lot of people tell him that, that uh, an angel spoke to them. And he said, I, I don't want to call him a liar, but I want to ask him, so what happened when the angel spoke to you? And, and they would make a response and he would say, so you, you weren't afraid, you weren't fearful, you didn't fall down and, and, and were scared. And they were like, no. And he said, well, then I think as we read the scriptures, we go back to what God's word says, that might not have been an angel that talked to you because we read the scripture. What is the first thing we, we encounter when, when we, we see an angel? What is, what is it said there? Fear not. Fear not. Yeah. So obviously, right, it's not the little fat baby cherub, you know, that we think about, but it's a big imposing, imposing character. We experience God in so many ways. Maybe some of you can think of an experience in your life, but um, that comes back and you can talk about it today and it's just as real as it happened before. So I would like to ask a question of you all uh, online or in the room. Is there an experience that you would like to relate to us that, that you want to share with us that even as you tell it, it's just like it happened today. Would anybody like to share something like that? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll share something. Yeah. I, I, um, briefly, I had, I had a dream where uh, Jesus came out, came and hung out in my house with me with a bunch of people. And people just showed up. There was no invitation. There was... People just started showing up, and after a while, he came in, and I got to watch people talk to each other and him talk to them, and at the end, he talked to me, and um, and it touched me. Um, it was not a profound... The, white lightning thing it was Jesus caring that Jesus cares for me just like I am messy and all 
And um, that was that was pretty special. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Steve had something to share with us. Yeah. Um, years ago, I was driving around in a car, listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman's uh, was a great adventure. And there's some words three or four stanzas in that says right between the pages, it hit me like a lightning bolt. And it literally felt like something. And I pulled the car over almost wrecked it, burst into tears. Half an hour later, I was at the church. It wasn't my church. I had no idea how I got there. So naturally, I went up and kneeled at the altar. And uh, at the time, I was leading Bible studies and thought I was doing some great things. And he let me know that I was a disappointment. I wasn't a light for Christ. And no one was in the call. Not all those words. But yeah, I'm going to remember that forever. So Steve mentioned that he was not. <laughs> Steve, Steve uh, mentioned that he was driving and... Um, there was a song on called The Great Adventure, Stephen Curtis Chapman. And one of the lines of the song is it hits us like a lightning bolt. And, and he pulled over and started listening to God and realized through that, I'm kind of condensing what he said, that uh, he wasn't living like God wanted him to. And uh, wanted to make a difference. Mm. In college, I was uh, on a marching band scholarship. Sounds kind of crazy. Okay, but that's where I went to school. I was a marching band scholarship. A man named Howard Snellenberger was a football coach at Louisville then. And um, he knew to grow the football program. They needed to grow the band, the cheerleaders, the dance team. So they funded scholarships. So actually, technically, I was on an athletic scholarship, but I don't like to say that because it really it, it's it was a marching band. We're not talking like a big deal. Um, but part of the part of the job of the University of Louisville band where I went is we were the pride of the Kentucky Derby. So we got to play at the Kentucky Derby every year and we got to play uh, in the parade. We also got to play my old Kentucky home. That was our main job when the horses came out on the track, the big three-year-old thoroughbreds. And uh, there's multiple races that day. We got to be there all day. But when you play my old Kentucky home and there's a uh, somewhere in the neighborhood, no exaggeration here of about a hundred thousand people that are in the infield and in the stands for the Derby. It's quite an experience. It's uh, that was, Last time I did that was 1991, okay? But I still think about it and, and can still just remember that sound and what that was like. We were down on the track. We were right near the finish line. There was nothing between us and the track. We got to watch the horses. Um, if you're, if, uh, well, a uh, uh, horse named Ali Shebe won the first derby that I was a part of, right? I do remember that. Um, but another, another experience I had in college was, um, Louisville has usually has a pretty good basketball team. And one of the years, and I do believe we were playing Kentucky this, this time. The announcer said during one of the breaks, uh, basketball fans, direct your attention to the north end of the court. We want to welcome the greatest Louisville's own Muhammad Ali. And so now I didn't meet him. I was with 20,000 people, right? So it's don't like, it wasn't like I was with a bunch of other people that saw him, but that 20,000 people just chanting, Ali, Ali, Ali. I'll never forget that moment. I really will never, never forget it. But in the Bible, God took uh, the initiative to reveal himself to people by experience. We can think through different stories in the Bible where God God revealed himself and that experience they had with God was so much greater than being at the Derby, right? Was so much greater than seeing Muhammad Ali. In fact, at the Derby, 
They play a call to the post. Okay. I had a friend who played that. That was her job, right? Nine races a day. She'd go out to Churchill Downs, play the call to the post and got paid to do that. I was at church the next morning. We do a call to worship, right? We'd have a call to worship. And I sat there and thought one week, uh, my church, we had an organ playing prelude and, uh, and everybody was kind of talking and they were catching up because they, between Sunday school and church, there was that something happened and they needed to share and chat with each other and talk to each other at the Derby. When they saw the bugler come out of the thing, the whole place, hundred thousand people got quiet. They played the call of the post. And the crowd went crazy. And at the church the next morning, we did a call to worship. And everybody's chatting, talking. The organist gets done. They get up and sing a song. And I thought to myself, and this might sound kind of not silly, but and not just young. And but I thought, man, we are getting ready to worship the God of the universe. And yesterday, people were screaming after the call to the post because they were hoping to win a lot of money on a bet they made on a horse. But we're getting ready to, to worship the, the creator of everything. And there shouldn't be, that, that should give us the most excitement of anything we do. And in the Bible, God revealed himself and to people by experience. And frequently when God revealed himself, he disclosed a new name to them and he described himself in a fresh way. To a Hebrew, a person's name represented his character and described his nature. This is why the Bible, we frequently see names or titles for God following an event in which someone experienced God in a fresh way. To know God by name required a personal experience of his presence. Another experience in my life, a friend of Paige and I's, her name is Kim. This was uh, probably 15 years ago. Uh, she discovered one week she had breast cancer, very aggressive breast cancer. And at church that Sunday, uh, I don't know what song we were singing. I was worship leader, but we were singing this song and she stood in the back. And it was a time in our service where we passed an offering plate and we would all sit down to pass the offering plate. And then by the end of the song, we'd stand again to sing, or maybe the choir would sing after that, but people were sitting down and she stood and raised her hands. And and it was, a, it was a culture of our congregation there that we would raise our hands as we sang sometimes. But she was alone standing, just raising her hand. And she was just reeling with and dealing with, rightly so, this just this new diagnosis she had of breast cancer. This, this was a new thing for her, and she was scared, very scared. She's, she survived. Okay, I'll let you know. She's alive, right? She stood back there raising her hands. And then several of our friends were sitting near her and they stood and raised their hands with her. And the first story I thought of was from the Old Testament of Joshua. Joshua was, uh, they were fighting the Amalekites and Moses was on a mountain watching. And do you remember what happened in this story? If if Moses' hands were raised, what happened with the army? Victory, when his hands came down, defeat. And I thought that this experience with God, that even right now, 
when I think about Kim and when I think about those people standing with her, I just thought we are going to be with her and we were going to be holding her hands up. We were going to be holding her up. We were going to be praying for her and we were going to be physically lifting her up to God, right? In prayer so that she could have victory. And even at that point, realizing that victory might mean that she's with Jesus, but she's going to have victory. That time of experience, that time of, of knowing that God in that moment, right, it showed me so many things. At Ben Robertson's funeral, one of the stories that was told was that um, as his, um, as he declined, he declined rather quickly. And his daughter and son-in-law were in the room with him. And, and then the daughter uh, <clears throat> went out for something and, and the son-in-law uh, maybe poked his head out in the hall or, or something. And when he came back in, Ben had swung his legs off the bed like he was going to get up. And he reached out his hand and he laid down and died. And Fred's absolutely convinced that that his experience was that that next step was going to be without any physical limitation. And, uh, you know, I, I've told this story before when I was first um, in the hospital with AFib, uh, probably two years ago, a year and a half ago, is during the middle of summer. And, um, and I was, uh, emergency room, it's COVID and, you know, all that. So I'm in the, the room and they're getting ready to, to do the, the paddles to get my heart back in rhythm. And all of a sudden, the EKG went normal. And, okay, they said, okay. And they, they call it converted, which disturbed me a little bit, but <laughs> you're converted. Okay. Um, Arthur Turner was two floors up from me, a uh, 98-year-old saint in this church. And minutes before my heart converted, Arthur died. And I, I, I will, to the day I die, say he walked into heaven and said, I got a, I got a request. My pastor needs a little help. Uh, because just minutes later, my heart did what it was supposed to do. And I... I we in ministry, we see those things all the time as pastors, and they they sound um, uh, almost distasteful to share in celebration when somebody died. And yet, even the 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 idea that this God who shows up and experiences is the one who conquered death. And it's in uh, many of those situations that we we see God at work in ways that are are miraculous. They are a little bit of the we've seen an angel and I'm on holy ground and a little bit fearful. And um, just this week uh, with uh, Mr. Robertson, another one of those. So uh, we we see him at work around us all the time. That word that they said after that, uh, Joshua and the Amalekites, the, the Lord is my banner going before us in victory. 
uh, I already told you I'm a marching band guy, right? We had people who carried a flag in front of us that said what band we were in, right? But that banner, that fortress going before us in battle. Another story of um, Abraham and Isaac. Yeah, I think we mentioned this last week, but uh, when God, well, God told Abraham, uh, Genesis 22, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. I have to wonder if when this was when this was happening on earth, if God was up there with Jesus, right? Said, watch this. Like God loved the world, he gave his only son, who we know he loved. I have two boys. I hurt when my boys hurt. They don't understand this, but y'all do as parents. Like I, I hurt when they hurt. I rejoice when they rejoice. I can't imagine Isaac wasn't just a little baby at this point. Abraham wasn't a young man either, right? And there's walked- an old joke about that. How do you know that Isaac wasn't a teenager? Because it wouldn't have been much of a sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. By the way, I just got a text from Brian Smith, 45 middle school students here tonight, and one received Christ before the meeting even started. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. So that's on the other end of the church. And see, our students, our students are, are going through experiencing God also. Yeah. This is something that, as, as you all are learning about this, our student ministry is doing experiencing God also. And, and I wonder, when we think about the story of of Abraham and Isaac, one that you all know, and that that idea that the Lord will provide. They, they just know that about God, that God will provide. That God provide a ram in the thicket, right? When he had his son there ready and he had the knife and, and the angel said, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. He probably very quickly said, okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. Tell me, there's the ram. Even Isaac beforehand, dad, we got the wood. We've got everything, but Where's the, where's the animal? Like, where's our sacrifice? The Lord will provide. That our students are even learning what it means to experience in God. And I have to wonder this. Uh, I thought this last week through this study. We looked at Christmas time in, in the book of Isaiah about being the Prince of Peace. We read that at Christmas. This next several weeks as we experience God what are you going to be able to say? And what are you going to be able to learn about God? And maybe you're going to be able to say, oh, he's my Prince of Peace or he's my hope. He's my Redeemer. He's my strong Deliverer. He's my Advocate. That we're going to recognize God and see God and experience God and know what it means to follow him. So as we, as we think about this, um, hopefully, uh, if you need a book, let me know. We can get um, a book for you. See us Sunday. Uh, next Wednesday night will be our first kind of discussion of week one, unit one with Experiencing God. Uh, we're asking you to pay $10 a book, okay? They cost more than that, but they just, uh, 
we, we just uh, want you all to pay uh, $10 for the book. And there's daily lessons, five out of seven days. You get an opportunity every day to encounter God and study and work. And, and I've had people say, yeah, I did experience a God before. It's a lot of work. <laughs> That's right. A lot to experience it. And the beauty of the of, of what we're going to receive out of this link, right? The, the beauty of, of what we're going to gain and the benefits of experiencing God far outweigh that. I told the group Sunday morning, yeah, there's some work to do with this. So just deal with it. Right. Just deal with it. I have a dream right uh, in my head of a, I, and it's not just a dream. I would love to make this happen to next year when we have the uh, 5k event here at the, uh, for the trunk or treat right event that I won't just walk it with Paige next year. Maybe we'll run it next year. Now, if, if I have this goal and idea, right, I can't wait till October and then say, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to run this, right? I mean, I could, but it wouldn't be pretty. It wouldn't maybe work very well. Uh, if I'm going to work toward it, I need to work toward it. And to knowing that we have a relationship with God, it's not about work, right? But we get an opportunity to study and learn and grow and know more about him. And the benefit far outweighs anything. Like I said, as, as we do the work, we're experiencing him because he's doing the work with us. And it's just a joy. To, to be able to do that and to work with him during this. At the end of every day's lesson, there's a review. And it'll ask you some questions. What stood out? What scripture stood out to you as you studied this? What, what phrase, what stood out to you? And write that down. And then it's going to ask you to rewrite that as a prayer to God, something that really stood out to you. One recommendation I might have, if you do the study in the morning, then all the rest of the day, you think about it. What is God continuing to bring back to your mind? What is God continuing to show you? And then at the end of the day, you sit down and say, okay, today, this is what I got out of it. But there might be something so strong that you just write it down. This is what God is telling me today. This is what God wants me to do. This is what I need to do. And then, and then what, is our, what are we going to do as a result of that? The best thing about that is it doesn't just say what gets you. It says, sit down, pray, God see what he reveals to right you. What write he, it down. right what he revealed what god reveals to you yes yeah thank you steve we also get the great opportunity to memorize scripture yes this less this lesson is excellent as a matter of fact i'm going to do this all year um apart from this i've been doing precepts with first baptists and and it's a lot but if you look at the sides the highlights of those are enough for you to glean on all day. Plus, I went to the back and I already started and I have the first one for this week and the back, the scripture to memorize for a week. It, it, is, it is good food for us. For all that is happening, this will shut out some of the negatives and some of the things that are bombarding us to weigh us down. This is really an excellent, I think it's a very excellent idea for it to be church-wide so that we are all gleaning the same thing. Yes. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um I think one of the opportunities, Gary wants to share something with us in a second. One of the opportunities we have of this being church-wide, we are in a season that um, 
Pastor Allen mentioned to us in September that he's transitioning to retirement. And how wonderful it's going to be not for him to retire. Here with the rest of the sentence. Um, <laughs> how wonderful it is that we have, uh, counting our student ministry, we're going to have over 400 people studying this experience in God. Okay. Uh, all the adults that come on Sunday morning, about 80% of those adults are going to be going through this experience in God study. That we all have a chance to understand and listen and, and and discern God's will and discern how God is speaking. And as we start to look at as a, as a search team and, and as a church, who is God leading? Who is, who is the man that God has to lead us, right? How great that's going to be for us to be able to say, we know and we have confidence because we've been looking to experience God. Now, Alan shared something with me and I didn't think about this how great it's going to be for our new pastor that comes to know that this many people were engaged in looking to follow God's leadership in our life. After I came here, I was here about two weeks and uh, Esther Ortiz uh, wanted to meet with me in the prayer, prayer ministry and talk about the prayer ministry. And the meeting was, she pulled out a sheet of paper. And if you've, if you've ever been in our prayer rooms, have, we have a notebook that we pray. And as you pray for someone, you mark your initials down. And she handed me the sheet of paper, right? These two or three sheets of paper with people's initials that had been praying for me even before they knew who I was. And she handed me these sheets to say, these, for these are the people who prayed for you to be here in this position. And I was like, oh my goodness, that was even still touching. All right, I have uh, discovered an app. It might be helpful to some of you as you're trying to memorize some of these scriptures. It's called Bible Memory. Uh, it's kind of a cool little thing. It's almost kind of even got a, I don't want to say a game kind of thing, because that might think kind of cheapens it. But what it does is there's different activities. Uh, as you can plug in a verse, you can tell it what version you want to use. Um, and it will walk you through different steps on how to memorize this. It will give you a daily reminder if you want that. Uh, all right, let's review this verse, and you can put in. I think there's a limit. I think that the, the, the app is free up to a point. Then I think it's like 10 bucks. period. Uh, I found that to be more than worth it. Uh, so if that's something that you might be interested in looking at, it's called Bible Memory, and you can get that probably from uh, a whatever Play Store or Apple Store, that you, wherever you get your apps. We hide his word in our heart, right? So we might not sin against God. The wonderful opportunity just to know what he's saying and to memorize those verses. Now, we, we could quiz each other every Wednesday night, all right? Or we could just be walking around and, and knowing what these verses are saying. Pastor Allen started last week uh, to memorize uh, just what the book of John tells us uh, for this first unit. So I'm excited to study experience of God. I'm excited to be hearing in the hallways, people talking about this is what God is sharing with us. This is what God is saying to us. <clears throat> I'm excited to hear about um, what things are going to look like as we just uh, discover what he wants to do in our life, that we discover where he's working, that we discover how he wants to work through us, and that we discover what it means just to, to continue to grow in that relationship with God. Um, I'm excited about that. So let's talk real quick about the logistics. We, we begin this week. So next Wednesday will be our discussion of our first unit of experiencing God. 
And um, we also know that people want a little catch up on uh, or a little preview about what uh, Sunday morning is going to be. So, uh, Alan, do you have any thoughts about that? Um, we were talking about uh, one of the this first one to make sure we introduce this thoroughly. <clears throat> want to make sure we know what we're into and to uh, allow all of us to, ha- uh, to have a chance. Um, but our, our plan was to let me go first and go 20 or 30 minutes with uh, whatever the scripture is going to be on Sunday, have the discipline to try to quit on time, and then let John lead us in our, our group. Um, I, I would encourage you to be involved in, uh, um, in, a, in a group that is specifically focused on experiencing God. And if this is the group that it is, and just know that that 30 minutes is going to be a little bit like drinking out of a fire hose. So the homework becomes real important. And But if we've all kind of done the homework, then the discussion can just flow. Plus, don't necessarily need to end right at 7.15 or 7 o'clock if, uh, if you guys have places to go. So, so our plan is that I'm going to do prayer time and 20 minutes or so of Hebrews, and then we'll dive right into experiencing it. All right, let me close with just a a little bit of word from Hebrews. John uh, texted me early this morning. Um, As you know, Wednesday is my study day, and I I try to stay at home and stay uh, in the scripture to kind of get a a framework for what's going to happen on Sunday. And of course, this week we'll be in Hebrews chapter two, and it's a continuation of the discussion that the writer of Hebrews gave us about the superiority of Christ over the angels. But in chapter two, he makes it personal. He kind of throws the ball back to us and says, if he is superior to the angels, and and he was kind of throwing a bone to the Jewish uh, people who believed that angels delivered messages. They, they believe that an angel spoke to Abraham, uh, that, that God used an angel to uh, uh, for various messaging in the Old Testament. And so, so the writer of Hebrews is acknowledging that they believe that angels were messengers. And so the purpose of this discussion is to say Jesus, his message is superior to any message that would have been received in the Old Testament. And so in Hebrews chapter 2, he begins to speak about uh, the uh, about Christ as a messenger and what message it was that he brought. And one of the things that John pointed out, he texted me early this morning, and he said, if you lay experiencing God side by side with Hebrews chapter 2, and you begin to identify the places where God is at work, and identify the places where God invites us to join him. That's, that's kind of what Hebrews 2 is about. And he begins the chapter with the word therefore. And what do we know about that word? What is it therefore? And, uh, and, and what it points back, the precedent of therefore is all of the Old Testament quotations in chapter 1. He, he says, here, here is the superiority of the Son. Here's what he gave to the Son. Therefore, let's pay close attention to that. And what is to pay close attention to the works of God? It's discipleship. It's 
It's he's writing to believers. He's not writing. It's not an evangelistic text. He's writing to believers. Pay close attention to these things. What things? The things we talked about in chapter one. What did we talk about in chapter one? We quoted the Old Testament over and over again to show us that Jesus is better than anything else. And now he starts to lay out his case. He's going to tell us that Jesus is better than Moses in just a little bit. But right now he says Jesus is better than the angels. And so the the whole context of chapter two and what I'm going to talk about Sunday morning is he says, pay close attention because if you don't, you're going to drift. D.A. Carson said, no one ever drifts toward holiness. If we move towards holiness, it's because we decided to do the home. It's not because we just drifted towards holiness. Drifting is never a positive connotation. I'll tell the story in 1996, a barge got loose in the Mississippi River, lost its engines, lost its rudder. And it drifted into the Riverwalk Mall in the French Quarter, which is on the wharf there on the river. Uh, 160 people were hurt, did millions of dollars of damage because it couldn't fight the current. And to drift is the inability to fight the current. And so when we do our homework, when we pay close attention, when we are careful that we don't drift, we can fight the current. And that's the that's the message that we'll try to, to go after on Sunday. All right? All right. I have a pre-marriage counseling uh, appointment. So I will see you guys on Sunday morning. Uh, thanks for everything. Love you guys. Thank you.